chair staff is ready when you are. Okay. Good evening. Welcome to the November 21st Measure U Community Advisory Committee meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll and establish quorum? Thank you, Chair. Members, please unmute and turn on your video. Member Cooney? Aye. Thank you. We're here. No worries. Member Cresswell? Present. Thank you. Member Dickinson? Here. Thank you. Member Gores? Present. Thank you. Member Kibble? Here. Thank you. Member Mora? Is currently absent. Member Odo Kent? Here. Thank you. Member Perez? Is currently absent. Member Prey? Here. Thank you. Member Riviera? Here. Thank you. Member Sala? Here. Thank you. Vice Chair Williams? Here. Thank you. Chair Coper? Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. Thank you. For those watching, this meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the link. Once you've joined the meeting, if you wish to speak, you can choose raise your hand to provide public comment when I confirm the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you are online, you click the raise hand at the bottom of the screen. If you're on the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. And if you're calling in from the telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, and then to unmute or mute, dial star six. And for um, callers who are calling in by telephone, speakers will be called by the last four digits of your phone number, and you will have three minutes to speak once you're called on. We're now gonna proceed with today's agenda. If you are able, please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanan people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, the Patwin Wintoon peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Our first business today is the approval of the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not see any hands raised for this item. Okay, if there are any members of the public who wish to speak on this item, I just wanna give you a quick moment to be able to raise your hand because I know that happened very quickly after we did the land acknowledgement. Okay, seeing none, um, we will then proceed. Uh, is there a motion and a second for the consent calendar? So moved. Okay, I have member Cresswell with a motion. Do we have a second? I second. Member Prey has second. Um, will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Thank you, Chair. Members, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Member Cooney? Aye. Thank you. Member Cresswell? 
Yes. Thank you. Member Dickinson? Aye. Thank you. Member Gorris? Aye. Thank you. Member Kibble? Aye. Thank you. Member Mora is currently still absent. Member Otto Kent? Yes. Thank you. Member Perez? Yes. Thank you. Member Prey? Aye. Thank you. Member Riviera? Aye. Thank you. Member Salo? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Williams? Yes. Chair Kofer? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Okay. Thank you. We will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Item four is the overview of the development of fiscal year 23-24 Measure U budget priorities and focus group implementation details. Uh, is there a staff presentation? There is not a staff presentation, um, but I did um, kind of want to have the committee create some space for discussing its approach to developing its FY 23-24 budget recommendations. Um, as was mentioned at last month's meeting, Member Sala expressed interest in conducting focus groups. This was in response to the city auditor's community survey um, where approximately 500 respondents, including both the representative sample and the um, open survey, they provided their email addresses indicating interest in participating in a focus group regarding measure use spending. And so there's a number of uh, questions in the staff report, um, you know, related to how these focus groups might take place, but we really just wanted to kind of give you all the, the time and space to talk about kind of your vision for how you wanted to, to go um, down that approach. So with that, I will hand it off to the committee. Okay, thank you, Member Sala. Thank you, Ash. And uh, as Ash mentioned, it's something that I, um, our subcommittee is very interested in pursuing, and I know that we had discussions last year about trying to get a sense of what the community, what would they like to see the, um, the priorities in Measure U funding, and I was very happy to see that there was a number of respondents who want to be part of that discussion, and so I, I, I believe it behooves our committee to outreach to those individuals who expressed the interest and, and, and having focus groups or listening sessions, whatever. And one of the things that we discussed and, and I discussed with, with Ash was um, those questions he put out there is um, how to conduct these groups. Should we um, have pay uh, a stipend to participants? Should we have a professional facilitator, a paid professional facilitator? Um, how do we document the outcome and et cetera, et cetera? And I and I and, and time is of the essence because we're moving already into preparing for uh, 22, 23 budget cycle, and or is it 23, 24 budget cycle? So it would be, I think, amazing to be able to capture the feedback from the community and, and have that guide our priorities and be able to substantiate our priorities to the city council because we did these, these focus groups. So I would like to see a direction been 
being given a vote taken as as to how to proceed. Another key element is, and Ash uh, pointed out, is Measure U doesn't really have a budget for this. So we would have to go to the either our individual city council members and and advocate. And I and I, you know, I'm estimating that it might take like five thousand dollars to do a focus groups and maybe that's lowballing it, but $5,000 and if we divide it between each council and, and have them fund it through their discretionary funds, that's one way, or we just go to the council, but that's gonna take longer to get them to approve whatever it is we're needing to implement this focus group. So, and funding will be key because without it, I think it would be hard, um, it would be challenging for us to do this work uh, especially the facilitation. And, and I don't want to ask community members to come and spend hour or two hours of their time and not be able to give compensate them in some way. In addition to that, and I don't think it's in there, but we should have some light refreshments as well. So I put that out there for a discussion and, and hopefully a decision one way or the other. Thank you, Member Sala. I see Member Gorris. Thank you, Madam Chair, and good evening, everybody. Um, I just want to mirror uh, Member Sala's comments. I, I think she hit it right on the mark. But in addition, I would, if it would be possible, I would like to have um, our council members maybe give some priorities, maybe give us some kind of guidance as an advisory committee as far as what, what priorities they would like to see in their districts. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I don't see any other uh, members with hands up. So there are some questions that were listed in our um, staff report in terms of um, developing focus groups. I um, remember when the participatory budgeting project um, was being launched, when our pilot was being launched and the mayor said that he would really like to see the entire budget be um, you know, subjected to a participatory budgeting you know, framework. Um, and so I really appreciate Member Sala for lifting this up um, and for also just keeping us focused on, you know, we have now two years in a row added questions to the city auditor survey. And one of those questions was, would you be interested in participating um, in, you know, some additional, um, some, you know, additional conversations around how the funds can be spent. And so I think offering up Measure U as an example of a way to be able to um, engage in a more participatory um, budget development, I think is a great next step. I think the real question becomes, um, I think there are a lot of questions that, that remain to be answered in terms of, you know, how do we do the focus groups? Are we gonna do them by city council district? Are we gonna do them in some other way? Um, and then also are these facilitated by members of the Measure U Community Advisory Committee or we bring in an outside facilitator? And I think, but I think the biggest question to me is, what are we hoping to get? Um, because I think I'm just very sensitive to the fact that while I know there are a lot of community members who are not, uh, you know, often engaged and ask their opinions on things, I think we also have to be very sensitive that when we ask questions and when we get opinions, that we're in a position to be able to lift those up and do something with them. Because otherwise, it's a tr instead of being a trust building experience, it's a it's a trust breaking experience. Um, and so what, what do we think is gonna be possible between now and May? And then I think the my next question, and this is a question to everyone on the committee is, um, is there a way to be able to build this into the city's budget process 
um, because they are going to have like open city council meetings. Um, and so are we wanting to kind of, you know, ask, ask to partner with um, each member of the council to be able to do something in each of the districts? And then of course the question being, do does the committee have bandwidth and capacity to be able to support that? So those are the questions that were just coming up for me um, initially. I think the other questions that are listed in the staff packet in terms of, you know, um, how will the results be re recorded and analyzed and published? I think we can't answer until we're even trying to figure out like, what are we trying to, um, to get from people? Because that will kind of tell us then how we get it um, and what the end result will be. Um, so I, I just wanted to lift that up. And I see member Cresswell next with a hand up. Thank you. Um, I, I really do appreciate member Sala lifting this up. I think um, trying to figure out, you know, how to truly engage the community um, is important. Um, but I, I share your concerns um, chair about ensuring that people um, that we're not creating sort of a false sense of of what can happen with this feedback. Um, so I do think, however we do it, it's important to make sure folks understand there are limitations on how this money can be spent because um, I wouldn't want to create false expectations. Um, and so I do think figuring out, um, again, how open of a process do you make it? Do you just, you know, as you said, you know, what do we hope to do with it? And some of it could be, let's, let's find out what people's needs are and then, um, you know, think about the construct of Measure U and how those funds can be spent and, and then potentially work with the community on, well, how could we address those needs with these resources? Um, but I think, um, really thinking it through so that folks really feel like their, their time, and I appreciate also the talk about, yes, we should invest if people are gonna spend their time. We pay consultants. Um, I think we should pay community. Um, and just what's the most meaningful way to get input potentially without necessarily having to hire consultants. And, um, you know, and I liked your idea um, chair about potentially hooking up with the process the city is going to use so that we're maximizing our capacity and potential to really get get feedback. So thanks. Thank you for that, Member Cresswell. Um, next on our speaker's queue is Member Prey. Thank you. Um, I, if we're going to do this as a scattered thing, which I think is really uh, good way to do that, to find a way to get into every council district, for example. I think that we need to have a consistent baseline. Uh, I'm going to assume that average citizens in, in every area don't have foundational knowledge of the purpose of Measure U. Um, and so I think some time of any focus group, you have to spend laying that out and it needs to be the same wherever you're laying it out at uh, so somebody needs to develop that initial education thing um, and then also at the same time that we have similar parameters wherever the, the focus group is based at so um, 
all areas have the same opportunity to provide educated input. Um, and I, I think that's critical. So I don't know who would do that, but it seems to me that if we were hiring a, a professional facilitator, they would be able to come up with that baseline um, information and, and kind of set up the parameters. Thank you for that, Member Frey. Uh, Member Dickinson? Uh, thank you, Chair Kofer. Um, and I'm happy to associate myself with all the comments that have um, already been made um, and add a, a comment or question or two, which is, do we actually know where um, we have the email addresses for these 500, but do we actually know where they're based? Uh, because that I think that affects the ability to do council district-based sessions. Um, and it, I just we need to know that in order to decide whether that's feasible. Um, and I think in addition to having um, a common educational um, message, we need to have common questions to guide the discussion. Um, and then I have a question, is, two questions actually. As I recall, the auditor's report had uh, information about what people, what the overall responses priorities were. And can we build off of that um, to both guide us as we're developing this stuff? Because I think we're gonna end up with focus groups, uh, responses that come in the middle of our developmental section session. Um, and we need, uh, I think we need to be prepared to move forward with our usual effort and leave room to modify as we get focus group feedback. Finally, um, I wonder if there's any chance we could um, build on the partnership with the auditor and um, suggest partnering um, with them funding and us working the effort. And, and I think if we did that, we would need to have a, you know, a, um, a, a budget that looked at uh, costs for each of the factors, which I think are facilitators, facilities, gift cards, uh, refreshments for X number of meetings with Y number of people to back up our, any funding requests, whether it's to the auditor or to council members. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Vice Chair Williams? Yeah, um, I don't know if it, Ash, you may if if you remember this, the question that we uh, had that was on the survey and that the uh, those that responded to about the focus group, do you know remember what the actual question was uh, and what they and I asked this because when we talk about setting expectations, um, if they agreed to participate in a focus group to talk about how funds are used, are they focused in a focus group to determine? you know what measure you is like what are they signing up for because i think that might be helpful as we look at how we set this up <laughs> that makes sense sure so the exact question was 
If you would be willing to participate in a focus group regarding the use of Measure U funds, please provide your email address so that members of the city's Measure U committee may contact you for more information. Um, and to member Dickinson's question about location, we don't have that information. We pretty much just have their email addresses because the rest of the survey was mostly anonymous, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as kind of part of the screening process, you could check back in with folks, um, given that about 500 folks responded, say, hey, are you still interested? If so, please go to this form and give us your demographic information, your zip code, things like that. And then you could have kind of a narrower pool to screen from. So I asked, yeah, so I asked that question because I wanted to get an idea around, again, what the expectation would be around what they're coming to a focus group for. Um, I mean, anytime we can get direct input from communities, I think always a wonderful thing. But again, how we get that uh, in information back, there's always that challenge of making sure that when we ask the community for something that we actually deliver and uh, folks feel like they've been heard. Um, and so I think making sure that, that that's, that's a part of this process, uh, which would be important. I would um, also think about, you know, we talked about facilitation. If we're going to talk about that, I'd like to talk, look about local folks in, that live in Sacramento, not bringing outside facilitators in. There's a lot of organizations that do focus groups all the time with their work. And so we, can we tap in their expertise so that we're using folks who are from Sacramento, who also know Sacramento, talking to folks from Sacramento so it's not an outside um, situation. And yes, of course, definitely um, feeding them and um, respecting their time and compensating in some kind of way because um, they're giving up their time. But they're experts in their, in their communities. And so we need to acknowledge that and, and respect that as well. But I think the biggest, the biggest thing will be just really making sure that we set an expectation of what we're asking them for is actually something that can be delivered back so that folks know that, and they're building trust even with us. Because if it's coming from Measure U, we also want to build trust in community that if we're going to them to ask them for something that we're going to support that back. And we might want to consider like what's happening with participatory budgeting around that point too, because there may be some things there that we some lessons learned and how we can use some of those things to get feedback from community as we roll out again next year, maybe what some of those issue areas are or thoughts and things like that. So that might be a topic we might wanna consider um, having some questions around as well. Mm -hmm. um, I see member Gorris. Thank you, Madam Chair. So I have a question for Ash. So Ash, so if people, if citizens didn't fill out the survey, is it too late if they, is the process started? Uh, they say, oh, I want to get involved. Um, how do I get involved? Is, is that a possibility? Not at this point. Um, with, with that survey, uh, potentially you could do like a social media campaign or something like that to try to recruit new, new blood, so to speak. But um, on that, the, this past survey is closed at this point. Okay, okay thank you. Um, I see, uh, Member Riviera has been trying to raise her hand, but I think her raise hand function might not be working. I'm not sure if the clerk can look into that. Thank you, um, Madam Chair. I have a couple of questions. Ash, the survey that went out, was that for the North and the South, or was that to include all of the city? This was all of the city, citywide. Okay, so that's, that's one. I do like the way um, Junior 
posit that we should get input from the city council people themselves to see what they have learned in their districts as needs. The second thing, the other thing I wanted to mention, we only had 500 people reply out of the thousands of residents that we have, we're missing something. These were the ones who replied and said that they wanted to um, participate in focus groups with us. So that's not the response rate for the survey overall. There was a specific question we added that said, would you like to participate in focus groups? Just to clarify. Yeah, so Flo, but even if that's the case, these are people that responded to the, you know, for the, one of the questions, do you wanna participate? Says my internet's not connected. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. So, but still, 500 out of the thousands of, what do we have, 800,000 residents? Only 500 replied? We have, yeah, we have about half a million residents in the city of Sacramento, and yeah, only 500 said they were willing. I mean, that's not who responded to the survey, though. So there may be a number of reasons. They may just not be interested in doing a focus group, or, you know, there could be other reasons. We didn't ask, like, why or why not. Or maybe we, we did not reach out are enough in outreach. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing I do agree with, my, I do agree with Thales in reference that if we're going to have community participate, community members, we should be able to give them a stipend. And I agree with um, the the person that said that we should have, if we're going to have facilitators, Kim, sorry. I agree with Kim, if we're gonna have facilitators, we should have facilitators that are local. Quit going out of this, out of this uh, city of Sacramento to get facilitators. We have, uh, we have people here that are, very, that are good at doing uh, anything that we need to get data. That's it. Thanks guys for listening to me. Thank you. Member Salas? Thank you. Every I'm I'm really um, energized by everyone's feedback, and and everyone made very valid point. I think it's it's going to add to the richness of of doing these focus groups. And I agree that um, we need to upfront is educate because you know we measure you since 2019. We've been collecting right. We've been yeah, no, 16, I don't know, when, when does we started collecting this half a cent for Measure U? Oh, yeah, in 2019, April. Um, and still people are confused as to what it is and um, what, what are their priorities that it's supposed to fund. So the education is, is key, and we've been talking about we really need to educate. So this will give us a, a nice opportunity to do that. I know with participatory budgeting, they did some they try to leverage and, and do a little bit of education without um, and how the participatory budgeting was being funded. So that was great. And I, 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 I really would like to see, uh, and I agree with Kim's suggestion, there's lessons learned and how we can continue in support of the participatory budgeting, but also look at what we learned in that process and apply it to the focus groups, but making it very clear there are two different processes. We're finishing this one up 
and we're and hopefully we're going to get more funds to to do um, participatory budgeting again, and and so that making it also clear that there are two different processes. I'm also interested. I didn't know that the city council is going to do a similar process of opening up the budgetary discussion in the community. And if and I'm not sure what that is. It's my first time really hearing that, or maybe I'm misunderstanding. But if they are doing that, I totally agree. We should find a way to work with them and leverage whatever they're doing and have um, have the measure you be a component of it. Um, and and as far and setting expectations, just like I think when I first started here, I I I wasn't clear to me, and maybe because the onboarding wasn't very effective because I've, we've never met in person. I, I thought we had, we make decisions and the city council adopts our decisions. We'll need to find out that we're advisory. Um, and, and not to minimize the importance of that, because by no means it, it is, it is, it is important. And, um, but I think making it clear, like this information is going to help us and guiding um, the recommendations we make to the city council and enforcing, reinforcing our recommendations to our to the city council by having this data as backup, and um, and I think it also could be an encouraging encouraging those that participate at budget time um, that they support our recommendations. We. I think twice I've, I've listened in when the city council is discussing budget and we rarely get anybody other than um, members on our committee calling in and supporting our recommendations. So, um, and then I wanted, and I do agree that we should touch, at any rate, at some point, we need to touch bases with our city council member to see, you know, what you think are the, priorities and um, that we can incorporate that in our recommendation. I also, I, I noticed in, in thinking about this and as we were discussing that we also need to um, have an expenditure for uh, interpreters um, and it would have to be a conference interpreter and that's a totally different skill set um, and conferencing equipment should we need it um, if we have uh, non-English speakers in in our focus groups, we need to provide for that. And that that is a cost, that can be a costly endeavor, but it needs to be done. And um, the the last the last item um, that I just wanted to emphasize was that I agree with you that the facilitator, facilitator should be local. And we kind of saw that with our contractor in the PB. They didn't really understand Sacramento and our community and they were learning as, as they were navigating this process. So definitely needs to be someone from Sacramento. We do have so many skilled facilitators in our nonprofits. I also was thinking if there's, there must be city staff and uh, you know, um, Lynette's office in community engagement, I'm sure they have, they must be trained in facilitation. So 
that could be a cost saving, but but um, but I agree that it should be a local person from one of our community based organizations that could could lead this effort. That's it. Thanks, Member Sala. Uh, Member Dickinson. Thank you. Um, I I just wanted to observe that I I want us to make sure we don't get. I think it's a great idea to check in with our council members as to what their priorities are, but I think that should be on a separate track than um, the outreach to these 500 people who actually expressed an interest in, um, uh, you know hearing more about Measure U. Um, and we don't know what that means. Maybe they just want to be educated. Maybe they have opinions. But I, I, I just think that is a, a really important um, opportunity to, as, as I think several of you have alluded to already, to um, get more people informed about Measure U, get more people engaged um, with um, advising us on on what they think is important um and and sort of broaden the net and 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 i don't want to get that confused with what the council members each individual council member might um have as priorities because you know <laughs> we could probably each already list our council members priorities um um and and i think that that's interesting information for us to have, but I don't uh, don't want us to lose sight of our role in providing input from the community. Member, thank you. Member Odoke? Yeah, thank you, uh, Member Sala and the committee for raising this. I think it's really an important um, I think it's important that we follow up when we ask people if they're interested in doing something and they actually respond that they actually see some kind of follow up activity um, that comes from that. So, and, and what I'm hearing from everybody, it sounds like there's a lot of support to move forward with some kind of mechanism um, to follow up and to get get some input. Um, so I, I guess I have a couple questions. As I recall, it's been great working with the city auditor's office. I think they've been very, very engaging and were very helpful in adding questions specifically about Measure U. Um, and I also remember from a couple of years ago is that they, they were very forthcoming in saying that um, responses from certain areas of the city were not very high at all. And I don't know that that's changed. And so. I'm, I'm assuming that the 500 people that have responded are coming from throughout the city, um, but we may not be able to really see if we've seen an uptick in response from the areas that I think all of, you know, many of us had particular interest in. And so I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be, you know, kind of a, a cross section, but I'm also making the assumption that it's, it may not be from the kind of historically disadvantaged neighborhoods that in the past they were really clear about saying there just a, was a very low response rate. Um, so uh, I'm very supportive in doing this. I do think as I look Ash, you know, at the questions that you put in the staff report, you know, and uh, Chair Kofer that you kind of laid out that we need to be really clear about what it is we're asking. I think it's powerful to say we're just following up with you, that we need to have a standardized kind of framing. Um, but my other question is, is, is the intention in that we do something in each of the districts or that 
our first step is just to follow up with the 500 who you know indicated interest in providing uh, feedback. Yeah, I'd love to know, Member Solid, did you have thoughts about that? Because this could get as big or as small as we wanted it to. And so do we want to start with the people who expressed interest already and then move from there? So I, I think I would want to start with those who express interest. And that we have 500, but um, a lot of them, because it's almost been a year or maybe six months since the survey went out. So we'll lose individuals. But I also, I, and I think um, member um, Odo Kent, what you mentioned was um, that we need to also look at who's, we'll, we'll start there, but are there districts or areas that are missing that we might want to figure out how to include them? Um, but, and it could be that we just say we start here as a pilot and um, and then go from there. I don't know we're gonna have a lot of time to go to, let's say like my district, district three, um, we have very low, we have maybe no, no one that responded to that question or even responded to that survey. So how do we include them or do we include them? Um, and I think those are questions that we need to ask and, and how would we then go out and um, and include those that didn't respond to the survey. And that goes to the issue which we've been talking about that the city auditors are challenged with is getting um, increased participation in their survey. It's, it's a lengthy survey and they tried this year, I think because of our feedback, they tried doing um, not only the um, random surveys that they send out, their, um, their scientific surveys, but they also did it, how many did they, did we get in return where it was actual uh, persons were able to respond in person through an email? I forgot what that number was. Um, so they did try something different. We still didn't get the response rate we were hoping to get. But at any rate, they're, they're struggling with that whole issue of how to get more, more community to participate in this, in this survey that typically do not participate. So I don't think I answered your question, but I, I, go, I think we should start at least with those that said that responded. And I, and I agree that we're gonna get a segment that responded to the survey and then responded to wanting to participate. And then there's gonna be those that didn't respond to the survey and but are important nonetheless to participate and get their feedback and how do we do that? That's the, that's the, the answer I do not have. Okay, so I, um, I really appreciate all of the comments. And so I have been trying to take some notes and maybe distill down what I'm hearing into maybe an actionable set of next steps. So um, here's what I've, I've written up so far. So um, we designate some committee members to reach out to the mayor and council members um, to find out about their budget priorities and any community input they might want to get on the development of the next budget. We schedule potentially two or three community meetings 
to um, conduct focus groups in communities that are high, and we, we have them physically located in the communities that are high priority. So we extend the invitation to the 500 people who expressed interest, um, but we also can advertise it more widely than that um, so that it's not limited to them, but that's who we focus on making sure that we invite. Um, we request, I'm gonna say $7,500 from the council to host the listening sessions to cover the cost of food, anyone who may need assistance with transportation costs, and maybe some gift cards if it's possible. Um, the the challenge is if we get 500 people to come, that's you know that money goes really 500 people. You know, ten dollars each is five thousand dollars, so that money could go really quickly. Um, and then um, we work with the city auditor's office to consider maybe developing some additional questions. I don't think just given the time frame that we're probably trying to work in, if we want this to be available to us for the next um, budget development, that we're gonna have time to be able to hire an external facilitator, um, nor do I think like that's gonna add additional money to the cost of doing this. Um, and then I think we can um, work to create um, some materials to be able to explain um, the to, to explain kind of measure you um, to staff. And then I think the other expense that we would need would be um, in, in you know real time translation, which is probably going to run us somewhere around seven hundred and fifty dollars for each session. Um, so. That would be my suggestion right now is to start with the 500 that we already, you know, solicited some some interest in, um, from, and hosting it in the in neighborhoods that we know we want to um, encourage participation um, from, and yeah, and then using the money to cover the transportation costs, um, the translation costs, and food primarily knowing that we would love to be able to pay, pay community members, but depending on the, um, the, the interest, we may not be able to cover that in this first round. Does that sound reasonable? Well, for me, I'm kind of concerned that just like, uh, like Salas, Member Salas had indicated, there might be no one who participated. So we're gonna exclude the, exclude those individuals. But I'd like to know is like, where are the core of the 500 people that, that um, said they were interested in the survey? Are we talking only about the South area? You've got 300 people there and you've got 200 people. I'd like to have that break down. We, we don't know that yet, but just so I can make sure that you're clear about what I'm proposing, I'm saying we know some of the neighborhoods that we definitely want to target. So my suggestion would be, for example, that we would host the actual focus groups in those communities and that we would not limit participation to just the people who responded, but that we're starting with reaching out to them as a first next step because they've already expressed interest and we asked them a question. So it would be, let's say you'd be in the South area. Mm -hmm. We would invite other people to come and join, but we didn't get participation from um, the garden area. So who would pay transportation for them to come down to the South for the meeting? Well, I, I'm suggesting that we have two or three of them. So right. the way that we would probably split this up would be we would have a, have one certainly in the North, one certainly in the South, and then maybe we pick another location where we wanted to have one. But yeah, if people needed help with transportation, that's part of what the budget could go towards would be transportation, 
food while they're there and then translation services to make sure that we have um we can have the ses the sessions available in English and Spanish at the same time. And also Hmong, not only English. And Hmong. Yeah. So then we would yeah, so so that's gonna, you know, again, our our budget is gonna have to be spent on the actual like hosting of the of the sessions. Right, right. So um Go ahead, Charles. I just kind of like, yeah. I'm still, I'm still kind of very concerned. And, you know, I know I'm going to beat this, you know, over Can and over again. If we, have 500, if we have 500 responses from 5,000 residents, only 500 said that they'd be interested in participating. To me, we're not reaching the the people that really need it, that don't have a voice, that may not even have access to a computer at, in their home, may not even have the time of you know, to be able to say, I'm going to get on my phone, I'm going to do it on my phone, may not even have the skill, but I can, I can. Yeah, this wasn't done, but member Revere, this wasn't, this survey was mailed out in addition to it being um, sent out. So we can talk a little bit offline about the survey itself, because it was mailed out. It was sent in multiple languages. It like I agree with you that the response rate in terms of like the sampling frame, we know that there are certain communities that didn't have the same response rate as others. Um, but also the one thing we don't know is like, I'd be the first to admit if I got a survey like this, I'd say, no, I don't want to participate in a focus group. I'm busy, right? So that doesn't necessarily mean like the 500 is a subset of people who express specific interest in wanting to do go more go further than just responding to the survey and we don't know what the like to get super technical but we don't know what the target population of people who are just willing to attend focus groups is to be able to know whether or not that's a representative sample or not unfortunately that's just a limitation to this um, but what we do know is that there are some communities that we definitely want to hear from and so that's part of the reason why I'm proposing that we actually host the sessions physically in those communities and that we open up the invitation beyond just the 500. But that we're just starting there because we, again, from the trust building perspective, these were people who filled out a survey and took the time to say, yes, I'd be willing to have a follow-up conversation. And we want to make sure that we start with, at minimum, closing the loop on that. Well, I'm hoping that makes sense. Just to let you know, I, every piece of mail that I get in this post, I read it. You know, the, any information that's provided by SMAD, by PGE, I read all of that. I don't think I got this piece of mail or that you're talking about. You probably didn't because it's a sampling frame, so it's not a census. So everybody in the community doesn't get it. It's sent got out it. to a representative sample of folks from each of the, the districts. Okay. And so, the other thing too is if it, um, when you do the questions or the flyers, if it could be in simple language, mm -hmm. yep. it would be the best. Absolutely. Just to kind of let you guys know. Thank you. Thank you for listening to. Um, I see Member Sala. So thank you. I I really like your suggestion to start with maybe three or four um, areas where typically we know uh, do not respond to the survey that are, um, and this, that are just respond, because they're, they're busy with life. It's, 
it's a long survey. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're having, you're limited with your time, you're not going to use it for filling out a survey. And it, in particular, if you think it's not going to be useful to you in your daily life. So, um, but if we can do it in these, in these communities and we can start with those that took the time to respond, yes, I'm interested and write their email address in that space means that there's interest and we need to loop back with them, include them, invite them, let them know where this, this focus group is happening, but also for those that didn't respond to the survey, we'll get an opportunity to dialogue with them. And that is very valuable. Um, and inviting them beyond just those who responded that I want to participate. So I think opening it up and we can we can ask each council, depending on which area um, we choose, each council person has a community outreach that could help us outreach to the community beyond those that responded to the survey and inviting them to participate in this. And so I think there's, I think that's a great recommendation and that's way to, to broaden um, the participation beyond those that responded to the survey. So I, I, I agree with that and I, I like your suggestions. And so how do we, how do, how do we move this into making it a motion voting on? Yes, um, we would ask, are we able to take a vote on this? Um, I don't believe so. Let me just double check on the staff reports. While you're checking on that, I'm going to go to Member Gores, who has his hand up. Yeah, no, it's, the staff recommendation is to discuss the committee's process to develop Measure you budget priorities, including details regarding the implementation of potential focus groups. Okay. So what we can do during this time is say that we would like to flesh out the proposal and bring it to the January committee meeting, which the council approved last Tuesday, the schedule. So we know when the January meeting is. And if I'm recalling correctly, I think it's the last Monday in January. So, um, since we have not yet reached January, or since we have not re- yet reached December 31st, we could potentially um, establish an ad hoc that could work on next steps for this. Um, and we <laughs> can plan it out. Um, I'm hoping that the council is going to make, take some action. Um, I think we shared at the last meeting that the um, they are unable to establish standing committees by December 31st. Um, I, you know, have never been particularly keen on following rules that don't make sense. Um, so I, I think I, I requested now multiple times on the record for them to bring back, um, a, you know, some, some vote to be able to say that the ad hocs can continue until that they get their, their administrative, um, uh, portion together to be able to have a process in place because otherwise it's incredibly disruptive. Um, editorial note, I think that was the whole purpose, was to be incredibly disruptive to our work, um, but they have not yet taken action on that yet, so we are currently in a position where, as of December 31st, we're not supposed to have ad hocs, but we're also not able to have standing committees, 
Um, so I think we should establish the ad hoc and then deal with what comes in the new year. Um, because I think if the ad hoc is established, it can continue to meet because it's less than a quorum and we won't have to talk about establishing it anymore because we have already done that at this meeting. Um, so they, that group can just continue to meet and be the planning committee for it. So um, the next steps I think are to find out who is interested in helping to plan this out um, so that we can have a proposal that we can vote on. The big thing we'll need to do is send over the proposal to um, council members, but I also wanted to, I saw on the attendees list um, that Lynette Hall is on and Lynette is over our community engagement. And so I'm just wondering if any of this might dovetail with some of the things that Lynette's already working on and we might be able to either tap into potential funding or locations or something that could help us do this work. So Lynette, if you're there, um, would you be willing to, uh, to speak to that? Lynette may have stepped away. She didn't know I was gonna call on her, so <laughs> she may have stepped away. Um, yeah, so we could potentially, you know, bring back, not potentially, we can bring back a proposal in January to be able to say, you know, flesh out the budget details and what we wanna do and ask um, city council. And between then, the, the ad hoc committee can also reach out to um, council members about potentially using their um, individual um, council district funds to be able to help support this. And so we'll, we could be in a better position in January to know how best to move forward with the action items. So um, are there individuals who would like to be a part of this ad hoc committee to work on the, uh, the focus groups? And I see member Dickinson. I would like to. Okay. I, I actually have a question. Mm -hmm. I've, I'm in a little bit of uh, chicken and egg mode with respect to approaching council members. So I'm happy to approach my council member, but I want to have a budget. I want to have a proposal that mm -hmm. is um, concrete and consistent with what other what other members are telling their council members. So, so I I, I don't I, I think the. I think the process that Chair Kofer laid out is, is the right process. I just think we need to have the, the proposal and the budget available to all of us, and then we can hit the ground running to go out after the cash from our council members. And I see that our city attorney has a hand raised, so I want to go to... Sure. Um, at the risk of sticking my head into the lion's mouth... Um, the council action that was taken a couple months ago also eliminated the ability to create further ad hocs. So you don't right now have the authority to create a new ad hoc. Okay. Um, so thank you for that. Um, so uh, if you would like to join the spending oversight and budget, <laughs> whatever ad hoc that is, that already exists to be able to work specifically on this since this is part of our budget development, um, please let me know. Member Dickinson. Um, 
I, I, either way, that either that committee or we have the our outreach and communications committee right. too. So, <laughs> so we have two ad hoc committees, each of which have, I think, legitimate reason to lead on this. And I don't know whether we would be allowed to <laughs> to to take members from each ad hoc to work on this. Uh we would not be able to, but but since those ad hocs are established, if people are not wanting to work on that, they could potentially um, leave the ad hoc uh, and then new members would have room to be able to join those ad hocs. Um, I see member Cooney with a hand. Yeah, I just wanted to express my, my support for this idea. I think the more opportunities we have to get in front of people and demystify who we are and what we do and why we're so important, it's going to be beneficial um, no matter where we are in Sacramento. Um, I do definitely want to lift up some of the concerns about making sure that the people we get to show up are representative of each district. Uh, I know that it's hard to get people to show up in general, um, but if we do get folks in the room, we want to make sure that we have a little bit uh, of everyone from every part of the district so we can all have an opportunity to weigh in how the budget is spent. Um, I'd also love to uh, sort of keep on the table engaging with the city council, uh, whatever their budget process looks like, how we can support that. Um, obviously, we want to focus on our Measure U piece, but if we can be helpful giving presentations and just ensure that our information is a part of that conversation, I think that'll be hugely beneficial to us uh, in the long run. Um, so I'm happy to support whichever ad hoc or or however I can, even if we meet at the the the, the goose and goose and fox on the weekend to sort out the details. Uh, and then the last little piece, uh, when we do get people to show up, I just want to make sure that we know what we're asking and we know what we want to hear. Um, obviously not specifically, but if we want specific projects, let's make sure that we're clear about that. If we want just percentages, how much do you think we should spend on X or Y or Z, let's make sure we have a survey ready to go so we can collect that info um, and make sure that it's really accessible to people. Uh, because the it's so easy to to ruin that relationships once people have already said okay i'll show up and engage and if they show up and engage and things are unclear you know we missed our mark we missed our one opportunity to pull them into this process and get them engaged in what we do so happy to help in the future i just want to make sure that we're very specific with the information and that we make the best use of those folks who already expressed their interest uh in in learning more about what we do Thank you. Um, okay, so right now I have members Sala, Revere, and Cooney, um, all of whom are already on the spending oversight uh, ad hoc, so that's convenient. Uh, Member Gorris. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'd be willing to assist also in the planning, um, and I just wanted to add on that I do agree with the initial recommendation, and in particular, the opportunity for those um, it's very important to engage the 500 that initially said that they'd be interested in assisting and participating, uh, but the opportunity for other citizens down the road that, that want to join in that they can, as Member Sala commented. So thank you. Okay. Are there any other members who are interested in working on this proposal development between now and our January meeting? Member Dickinson? Was that a hand up for as interested? Yes. yes. Okay. All right, uh, Member Dickinson, you're back on the 
got a comment? Sorry. Okay, so um, we I don't have any more of, of the committee members with hands raised right now. Um, I do see that we have members of the public who would like to comment. Um, so it sounds like we have, we don't actually have anything that we need to vote on tonight. So I'd like to open it up now for a public comment. Will the clerk please um, engage our, our public commenters? Yes, thank you, Chair. I do see two hands up. The first speaker is calling user number one. Yes, this is, my name is Lambert Davis, and uh, my family owns To the Bay and Back Cheesecakes, and I'm, I'm really impressed with what I'm hearing tonight about Measure U. As a person who attended many meetings, and I do mean many, many meetings that Mayor Steinberg, who I think did a great job selling Measure U twice, I voted for it twice, uh, because of what I heard at those meetings, it didn't transpire. Didn't transpire for my family's cheesecake business because we we ran across a lot of resistance. But the actual concept is what got me to vote for it. So I'm I personally am really stunned uh, with all the modern technology of how uh, people are not aware of what measure you is for. That's stunning to me as a baby boomer who didn't have uh, all of this technology. It's almost as though you know certain communities don't have certain technology, so you don't, you don't go that route, specifically Del Paso Heights, which my family's been there since 1946. So I'm speaking from a perspective of a person that actually loves Sacramento specifically Del Paso Heights, because this is where I was born and raised. So I'd like to see it be done right. I definitely would like to see some groups in Del Paso Heights benefit from Measure U monies, because uh, a lot, I've never seen a community, District 2 has 23 communities. I've never seen a district with that many. That is an example of gerrymandering 101. So now I see why my parents and grandparents and stuff had a lot of difficulty when they were there. So, so shout out to them for somehow making it through a system that was against them while they were in District 2 raising us as teenagers. So I, I study Measure U like I'm trying to get a degree from a university, and I'm hearing some very positive things coming out of this discussion tonight. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Chair, the next speaker I have is Barry Boyd. Thank you and good evening. I do have a few comments uh, to make and I do uh, concur with the last caller. There are some very positive notions that have been made and as anything, um, bringing something into fruition is is um, separate from the idea that is proposed. Uh, speaking or in agreement with several of the commissioners, or excuse me, committee members that have gone, um, excuse me, I've spoken just prior, 
um, I'll start with Vice Chair Williams, that the participants that will be involved, I don't know, I don't remember in the survey if it asked how long you have been a um, uh, resident of the city of Sacramento. If you don't have a true history and five, three years is not a true history in Sacramento to understand the need for the participation for what the city is asking for. If you don't have, let me rephrase, if you haven't been, um, oh, what is the right word I'm looking for? Exposed to the systemic nature of the city of Sacramento, which has brought forth this need of the participatory budgeting pilot program, which speaks volume into why it was needed, then you don't have the reference points to really give good input you could have based upon your limited state. I understand that. But that entirety, at least 90% of uh, those who will participate who get chosen should have at least 20 plus years of um, uh, of historical, not historical, but have lived here in the city of Sacramento, period. Um, to Council Member Rivera's point, she was trying to bring out in uh, who are the people that are participating. And as Chair Kofor has stated, that um, data isn't readily available um, for us to know. Because just as um, several of the committee members have mentioned, where's the survey? Uh, it was an extremely long survey. And uh, as uh, uh, the committee members have mentioned, those of us on the lower end of the of the income spectrum, we have our blinders up chasing the cheese, i.e. the money to make it to the next day. So we don't have that extra moment to sit down and beat up the survey. And a reference point of uh, one-tenth of one percent of participation that would want to participate in the meetings that is a ridiculous percentage. The city of Sacramento finds 17% acceptable, an acceptable percentage rate. And for this survey to only have one-tenth of 1% agreeing to, let's, let's uh, continue the outreach, ladies and gentlemen, please. Thank uh, you I do for have your more, comments. I see that out of time. Thank well, you. actually, if I can get this in, final comment, the facilitator should be local, bar none, as we've seen with the fiasco of the uh, uh, participatory budgeting pilot program. Thank you. Chair, I have no other speakers with their hands raised. Thank you so much to Mr. Davis and Mr. Boyd for your public comments. We just really appreciate um, the diligence with which you help us in our advisory capacity and um, share a lot of the comments that you um, have lifted up in terms of, you know, the need for local facilitation for making sure that we are um, representative in our um, you know, in our outreach and doing our, our real, our best to make sure that as we're engaging people, we're building the trust and not breaking it. So really appreciate you all for being a, an active part of this, this conversation um, as we move forward. Um, so since we have, we don't actually have anything that we have to vote on, um, and we do have the people who have expressed interest um, in participating in those existing ad hocs, um, we can go ahead and move on to our next um, discussion item, which is um, item five, which is the participatory budgeting pilot program implementation update. And um, so Mr. Boyd's comment was a really nice segue into this. 
Is there a staff presentation? There's not a staff presentation, but we are joined by our consultant, Cristania De Leon. And I'm not sure, Debbie, or if anybody else wants to make opening remarks. Um, no, I'll, I'll uh, turn it over to Cristania. We did have an, uh, an ad hoc committee meeting today. We're through the voting process. And so um, as all of you know, this has been quite a journey um, from the from the point at which the decision was made to where we are today. So I'll turn it over to Kristanin from the Participatory Budgeting Project. who will give us an update on where we're at. Thank you so much, uh, Debbie and Ash. Can someone confirm, can you all hear me okay? Yes, we can. Thank you. Great, so I'm um, here to talk a bit about where we are with the participatory budgeting process and to focus on an update for all of you as a full committee about the vote. Um, how it went and where some preliminary findings as a result of the vote. Um, and then I'll hand it over maybe to Ash to talk a bit more about what comes next in terms of selecting implementation partners, which is going to revisit some items that have been mentioned previously. Um, but for as a, as a bit of a recap, the vote phase for this process initiated October 11th and ran to November 11th. We had a month of mobilizing and engagement to make sure folks were aware um, of the participatory budgeting uh, process and an opportunity for community members in our focus areas to select among the items on their ballot um, the things that they most supported and they want to see implemented within their communities. I want to, before diving into some of the specifics, really be able to speak to some of our core collaborators on outreach. Uh, we at PBP, our expertise is on participatory budgeting, but we really have relied on and continue to rely on the expertise of community leaders and community partners um, to make sure that as we're involving the process, it's really suited for Sacramento, but particularly with regards to outreach, um, that we have access to the folks who are able to mobilize and make sure we're, we're really coordinated locally. We need to acknowledge and offer deep gratitude to Richard Falcone and to Letha Floyd, um, who have been invaluable partners um, with the PVP team, um, not just for the vote throughout this entire process, um, but we're really active in helping us coordinate locally with the vote. We're incredibly indebted to them and their labor and work and expertise and time. Um, and want to also acknowledge our proposal delegates. We had a couple of delegates um, you know, really engage in supporting getting out the vote as well um, and making sure they did like individual canvassing. I know at least 300 um, homes, businesses were individually canvassed um, by proposal delegates to share about the experience, get people interested in the vote. Um, and we had a lot of strategies that were deployed from social media engagement, um, in-person voting, all kinds of things to allow folks to participate in the vote process. Um, but folks may also remember that we had engaged uh, a couple of local organizations to support in two of our key outreach efforts for participatory budgeting as well. The first was an idea collection. So we uh, worked with uh, six organizations that were selected by the participatory budgeting ad hoc. Uh, to identify ways that we can get folks interested and prepared and active in submitting ideas. And we engaged them again for the vote. So these were mini grants that were submitted to these six organizations that were taken out of as a portion of PDP's contract to make sure we had that support and these networks available to collaborate around outreach. 
want to really acknowledge those organizations. So they include Roberts Family Development Center, Stanford Settlement Neighborhood Center, Asian Resources Incorporated, Bridge Network, Child Action, and SAC Act. Um, their staff and their uh, on-the-ground organizers were invaluable to allowing us to reach folks um, in our priority areas so they could be involved in not only on data collection, but certainly re-engaged in the vote as well. I wanted to just remind folks of the uh, focus neighborhoods and focus areas in the Northeast and Southeast for this process. I'll leave this up just for a moment in case folks wanna re-familiarize with where this process was focused, where we were really mobilizing um, and where implemented projects um, will were eligible to be implemented. And then I'll move us into what we saw in terms of mobilization in the vote. So in the Northeast, um, well, I say across the Northeast and the Southeast, we use primarily um, both a digital ballot option um, that was set up through PV Stanford and their platform and a paper ballot option um, and supported our partners in being able to identify the best ways that they could outreach and to their community leaders in their respective areas. You notice in the Northeast, a big emphasis on paper ballot collection. Um, and in particular, Roberts Family Development Center did host events that were really intentional in engaging young people specifically. Um, I'll say, um, and it might be a, a quick reminder that this process was really focused on the participation of people who are 14 years of age and older. And we recognized we had a bit of a gap in terms of engagement and outreach for young people in the process and certainly saw participation in the digital ballot skew older. And so we, um, to kind of compensate with that, worked with our partners um, and Roberts Family Development Center specifically to make sure that we heard from young people and young leaders um, really intentionally as part of their outreach. The Southeast did focus more on digital uh, ballots and digital engagement. Um, I'll also acknowledge that these are digital ballots that were counted um, through the system. Some of the ballots were submitted with unique IDs that were initially paper ballots that our partners were able to submit to us through the digital portal. Mm -hmm. So we certainly had more things that were collected in paper, um, but also had a lot of partners working really intentionally um, as opposed to kind of giving away paper ballots and having folks fill them out and resubmit them to really intentionally collaborate in um, submitting digital ballot together, um, offering translation support and whatever else was necessary so folks felt really comfortable. Overall, we collected 853 votes. Um, we had kind of set an initial uh, goal of wanting to see at least a 10 to 20% increase in participation from idea collection. Folks may recall idea collection saw 550 ideas submitted. So we were hoping to get a minimum of at least a 20 or 10 to 20% increase on that, which we exceeded, which is great. Um, I'll also acknowledge this uh, required a lot of uh, coordinating and wrangling because this participatory budgeting vote process did overlap with a lot of mobilization and outreach for the general midterm election as well. And so making sure folks knew that they were separate, that eligibility was different, um, and have access to the right ballots was something we certainly contended with. Um, but we're pleased to see sort of at least a starting place of engagement um, for these particular areas and seeing sort of the results and the fruits of labor led by residents in these areas in particular to have a say in how to allocate this million dollars, 500,000 in each of these areas. Uh, I want to give just a brief overview before I hand it over to Ash of the preliminary uh, sort of selection of projects. Um, and I want to offer just two quick caveats before we go through how some of the votes are looking so far. 
The first is that there are a couple of fine points we need to finalize with our proposal delegates. And so I want to make sure that before we consider and call these final, we acknowledge that there is um, some feedback that's needed from those proposal delegates to confirm um, some specificity around some of these projects. And the other I want to acknowledge, and we've talked about before, is this review committee that will be um, kind of convened. Folks may recall it will be comprised of equal parts Measure U committee members and proposal delegates who will further build out the ways uh, in which the criteria for which um, specific implementers will be selected for projects that are eligible to be implemented outside of the city. And so I want to offer those caveats. This is preliminary. Um, there might be subtle changes here or there, but I do want to give you a sense before you break for winter um, and with this current configuration of Measure U, just how things are looking so you have a sense of where things are headed. So for the Northeast projects that were prioritized, there were four that really did emerge towards the top. Um, work and mentoring programs for Northeast Sacramento youth, which would provide organizations funding to implement youth development programs that would include vocational skills, trainings, field trips, and mentorship. Neighborhood cleanup grants, so a grant-based program for folks to do cleanup events across very specific areas in the Northeast. Second chance career opportunity for youth, um, which would implement a three-month summer job or internship program that provides work experience in a trade or relevant computer skills, particularly for young people who may not be college bound. And then the garden farmer's market, which would support mobile farmer's markets to offer affordable food, cooking classes, community education for community members in district two. On the Southeast, um, some of the prioritized projects um, are include teaching tech. And I'll emphasize, I think teaching tech was one of the projects, I think, across both, but the Northeast and Southeast um, that received um, really high support. And I think was uh, really clear from the very beginning of the vote. It was kind of leading, continued to lead. And even as those paper ballots came in, um, a significant desire to see investments made um, in making sure that folks have access to technology and um, the ability to be involved in programs, and particularly for youth and students to learn about how to code, design, educate, and program using technology that feels very current um, and is you know, relevant uh, for, for skill sets that folks need to continue to expand. Additional literacy support for elementary students, um, which is, is just that, and would support students, particularly those who are multiple grades behind in reading. The South Sacramento Entrepreneurial and Career Academy, which would fund an organization to organize youth and youth adult entrepreneurship trainings in South Sacramento. Transportation van for underserved and unhoused youth in Oak Park, which would allow for a community organization to purchase a van and provide free transportation services to underserved youth and young people and students. And then a beautification project that would fund um, an organization to hire young people to design trash cans and engage in beautification that would be placed within the community to curb trash um, and other littering in community spaces. So that's a, a preliminary overview of where uh, interest is heading and where it lies as we look at the, the results of the vote. And we'll continue to work with our proposal delegates um, to shore up and finalize uh, anything else before we move forward for full uh, implementation and full announcement citywide. Um, but I will hand over to Ash because there is this other component of recognizing that after we finalize the selection of the projects um, and shore up the vote, wrap this up, 
Um, we will convene a review committee that is equal parts measure you and proposal delegates uh, to then begin to create the scaffolding and infrastructure to identify implementing leaders uh, and organizations for any projects that would be uh, implemented outside of the city. So Ash, I'll hand it to you if there's anything you want to speak to on that. Thanks, Kristanya. So um, we received six applications from Measure U committee members and nine applications from proposal delegates. And given the constraint that was established to have an equal number um, serving on this uh, selection panel, essentially we're accepting all six Measure U committee members who applied. And we are still in the process of prioritizing amongst the nine uh, proposal delegates who applied which ones will move forward to the selection panel. So I can uh, let you know um, members Sala, Riviera, Cooney, Mora, Odo Kent, and Dickinson will be serving on the selection panel, assuming they're um, still interested. And so um, this group will meet kind of December through. I want to say February. Um, I think we'll pretty much spend most of December developing and finalizing the process and the solicitation document by which we actually uh, set the criteria and objectives for the types of applications that we're looking for and the types of organizations that are eligible to apply for funding to implement these projects. And then in January, we will publicize that, open the process, uh, provide technical assistance and, and make sure there's no barriers to applying for this funding. And then um, in February, we will kind of convene and make final decisions around that. So um, this group will be really important because beyond that, um, there's lots of uh, little implementation details that uh, may not have been captured in sort of the, the, the development of, the, of these proposals initially. And so there will be some discretion and decisions that this group will be making. Um, and so, yeah, we're really excited to, um, to have this group and to help us continue things uh, moving along. Thank you for that, Ash. I am looking to see if we have any um, questions from our committee members or comments. Member Sala. Thank you. The presentation, Cristiano, um, is very helpful. I do have a couple of questions. I appreciate you breaking down um, where the votes came in by Northeast, Southeast, um, but it would be great to see the neighborhoods from which they came. So if you can do that at some point, it would be interesting to see which neighborhoods voted and which neighborhoods did not vote or what percentage of the neighborhoods that we identified um, actually voted. And then my other comment is um, the cleanup one. I'm a little confused with that because I know the city has put out a call for grants to do cleanup because um, my neighborhood association is applying for a couple of those grants to do cleanup. And that, I think, came out about a month ago. So is this a separate um, monies that's going to go for cleanup, neighborhood cleanup? It, it's a little confusing for me. 
Yeah, I can address that question. Um, so yes, the city does have an existing neighborhood cleanup grant program. It's pretty new. I think it was actually publicized after the original idea was submitted. Um, the big difference is really, I think, the budget. Those grants, I believe, are capped at $800 um, versus this one is uh, total available funding would be $60,000. And so this is actually going to be one of those implementation details I was alluding to earlier, where this selection panel will really think about and, and consider, you know, what what is the maximum grant size? Do we try to take the existing program and put it on steroids where there's a $10,000 maximum grant? Or do you want to go for a longer period of time, more areas? There's all these little details that um, the, the selection panel really will, will be involved with to help shape this specific program. But I think by and large, the the acknowledgement is that, you know, the existing program, uh, the grant size is fairly small. Um, this has a much larger budget and opportunity to really, um, to amplify this work and, and make it more impactful. Okay, thank you. I'll say with regards to, to the questions about voting and where folks came from, I think um, it could be good to consider a follow-up uh, update from the evaluation partners that we worked with at Third Plateau who could offer a more granular kind of sense of who participated and even get into more demographic information to really help assess some of that. So I think we can work with both the ad hoc as well as uh, Third Plateau to see like the best and right time to share back some of their findings as well. Any other committee members with comments or questions? I'm just really excited that we've gotten to this place um, and that projects have been, um, you know, selected. This is really exciting. Um, and kind of, you know, it, there were lots of things that transpired over the course of the many years that we've been advocating for participatory budgeting in the city, but it is nice. This is the end result that, um, you know, was really kind of hoping to see. Um, and I think we learned some really important lessons and I'm hopeful that this is um, gonna be something that we look back on in 10 or 15 years and say this was the start of something really wonderful um, and a, a tide turning in the city and that we'll continue to learn and engage more people and that we really can be, I think, um, the, the type of city that we all want to live in. So um, I just want to, you know, to just take a moment to really thank the members of this ad hoc committee um, who have been working from really the beginning of the Measure U committee on this um, process and, you know, meeting with the participatory budgeting project learning about it. You all have been amazing um, and nothing short of miracle workers in many instances. Um, I also want to thank Ash uh, for your tireless work and um, helping to make all of this possible and operate on behalf of the city. We know sometimes navigating the bureaucracy and representing it can be a tough position to be in, um, but we really appreciate uh, what you brought to it. And I also want to thank all the community members that voted, that submitted ideas, that participated, you know, in, in really active ways 
days. You all were um, really wonderful, and I appreciate you being willing to have some patience and grace with us um, as we're learning and doing and trying and striving. And um, this is this is definitely the type of community that I want to live in. And so I'm just really incredibly grateful for all of you. And I see Member Odo Kent on the speakers queue. Thank you, Chair Kofri. I want to thank everyone as well. And I, I think that uh, for ad hoc and, and probably all of our committee, we would have never imagined this would not be like birthing one elephant with an 18 month gestational period, but two, this has been, um, I think quite the journey from the first time uh, we heard from um, Christana, your leadership um, at, from the Pittsburgh Budgeting Project. Um, so the, the other thing I just wanna say is that uh, I'm, I'm really pleased that the council had approved um, kind of a separate evaluation process as well that has been ongoing. It's going, I think we're, um, they're really um, digging in and doing some assessment. And I think we have had to remind ourselves at several point in this journey that this is a pilot project, that will there will be some missteps that we are learning along the way. And so I think what comes out of the pilot project in terms of our evaluation and documenting what really went well, what did we learn and what could we do better is something that I, I'm really looking forward to uh, receiving and learning from and sharing with um, the full Measure U committee. Um, and the other thing is um, really appreciate those of you who are willing to serve on the selection committee. Um, honestly, as the steps of the process have been uncovered, we, I think, didn't fully anticipate that there would be this need for a selection committee, um, but it really kind of speaks to, I think, our ability to pivot and to really assess and to take um, the input from the delegates and from what we're hearing from community about how we sort of morph and adjust the process to be responsive. You know, we set out to create the guidebook, if you will, which was the recipe book for how this whole process would be rolled out, um, I think, well over a year ago. And uh, that in and of itself was, um, there was a steep learning curve for me personally about what all the possibilities that could happen in the rollout. Um, and so once again, I've just been thinking about the entire process to see how can we really document what we've learned uh, and how do we make it better in the future? So appreciate everyone's deep, deep involvement. Our ad hoc committee was very active um, appreciate all of you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't see any other um, hands for members, so we will move over to public comment. Will the clerk please engage our public commenters? Yes, the first speaker I have is calling user number one, Mr. Davis. Mr. Davis, I am giving you the ability to speak. Yes, am I unmuted? Yes, you, you are, are now. Yes, I wanted to comment on the process of becoming a delegate. This summer, I decided to organize a lot of people that I consider a lot that are from El Paso Heights that have been there, their families have been there for 50 plus years and I said I want to go to these meetings and find out how the delegates are selected 
because depending on the process of selecting delegates, you'll be able to be inside to see what the real agenda is. And I noticed no one did this but me. I went to five different meetings. I went to two at the Robertson Family Center. I went to the Hmong Center, Community Center. Shout out to the Hmong Community Center. The Tao family, they buy cheesecakes from my family, and a lot of uh, Hmongs attend Grand High School. The other thing is I ended up at the Robertson Community Center, and uh, they wanted us to put our cheesecakes out that day, which we did. The only place that uh, promoted outreach, and they never did, they canceled it twice, was Del Paso Boulevard Partnership. And it, and it became a fascination to me because they're the P-bid in District 2. So when, when a person, when you're a native, you, you, you can't be easily tricked. To me, uh, Del Paso Boulevard Partnership, they shouldn't even benefit from the P-bid process because they never did outreach. They canceled the meetings. The ones who should receive the money should be the Hmong Community Center, the Robertson Family Center, and uh, the Robertson Community Center. They did a wonderful job uh, with it. And during that process, I submitted paperwork to become a delegate five times, four times, and I was never selected. Now, the, the, the actual possibilities of that are nil. When you submit the paperwork to become a delegate at five different meetings, locations, and to not be selected, and then you hear later that people were concerned about not being selected as delegates, that's a problem. And I don't think that it should be called a pilot because you have P-bids in the city, and they should know how to guide a quote-unquote pilot program. And for the record, those of you who are talking about $500,000 between two parts of the city, that's peanuts compared to the money that they give out to different chambers of com commerce in this city. That would be transformative if you could add millions of dollars to that and have the, the delegates from the community that really love the community. We didn't move here. We didn't transplant here. We really do know this neighborhood. So um, I did receive a letter from Ash, but when I looked at it, uh, he said, we'll do better next time. Well, four times at four different meetings, I'm a busy man. And so for me to take time out of my schedule, I did my own calculation, and I personally think that it was intentional to keep homegrown people off that delegate list. It was very controversial. Thank you for your and comment. And I'm glad I did go. Thank you for your comment, Mr. Davis. Chair, the next speaker I yeah. do have is Mr. Boyd. Thank you and good evening again. I do have a, a couple of quick comments. The um, um, contrary to what was just stated in regards to that this is a preliminary um, announcement of, of winners to 
a text message I received at 429, as did the um, the rest of the Southeast proposal, proposal delegates received today, that, let me read through quickly the winning ballots. First place was the teaching tech to be funded for 100,000, and they received 307 votes. Second place was additional literacy support for elementary uh, students funded for $100,000, and they received 230 votes. In third place was the South Sac or is the South Sacramento Entrepreneurial and Career Academy being funded for $125,000, and they received 221 votes. In fourth place, transportation van for underserved and unhoused youth in Oak Park being funded for $75,000. They received 217 votes. Beauty, or excuse me, Beautify Sacramento was in fifth place and being funded for $75,000 and they received 189 votes. Now, again, that text message came out at 429 this afternoon stating the winners and here it is a few hours later now we're being told these are preliminary results. Um, the language is clear, the text I'm reading, that these are the winners. So now here's that gray area again of uh, swimming in the soup. So I'll let you guys work that out. Um, the second comment I have is the picking of the selection committee um, members um, in regards to selecting the RFPs from the winning ballot choices to which I just read for the Southeast. In one of the or one of the stipulations from the application for those of us who submitted is that the individuals with the least amount of engagement with city governance has the priority. To me, I'm not maybe it's just me, but I'm not understanding why someone with the least amount of engagement with city governance would have the priority, i.e., that means that individual isn't savvy to the maneuvering that the city has done and continues to do and to get their way with subjectiveness instead of objectiveness. Someone with, um, who is highly engaged with, the, with city governance would see through that and make sure that the neighborhood is well represented instead of the city to which why we were brought to this process from uh, uh, for this very for that very reason thank you thank you for your comment sure i have no other speakers with their hands raised um thank you again to our public commenters i wanted to see if there's anybody from um the ad hoc or pd who wanted to address some of those um comments that were lifted up about the the delegate selection and um, about the preliminary nature or lack thereof of the results and that sort of thing, just if we want to take a time, take some time to just clarify on the record. I can clarify a few elements there and then sure. Ash, I can hand it to you if there's anything else you want to add. With regards to delegate selection, um, I think I've sp spoken to this in previous meetings, um, because we we didn't have actually uh, we had like just the right number of applicants for the number of seats we had for delegates the number of allocated budget we had to pay delegates um, every application that made it back to our office that we received to serve as a delegate was accepted 
nobody was turned away to participate as a delegate. And so I think we followed up with our local partners to see what could have happened, um, but there was no process to eliminate anyone from the pool of delegates. Folks who applied, all of them were accepted. Um, with regards to the preliminary nature of the vote, um, what I wanna clarify is that there are some elements related to how we um, categorize these, these final projects in relationship to the associated budget with them is something we do need to bring back to our delegates. So for example, um, the total projects that were prioritized for the Southeast, um, were like total up based on the, the ballot to um, $475,000, which means there's $25,000 that need to be determined about where they will go and how they will be spent. And there are options that the delegates have around what they would like to do. So why this is preliminary is that they may say, put 25K towards the next vote getter, and in which case we have a sixth item that we might want to consider that could be seeded as part of this process. They may say, we really want to take that $25,000 and actually see if we want to use it to uh, bolster the rest of the winning projects and keep it to this five. There are, there are things like that that need to be finalized and rest within the decision-making kind of purview of our delegates. So until we're able to really finalize some of those details in a way that feels aligned um, with our delegates intended, um, that's why we're characterizing this preliminary. It doesn't change the fact that these are the projects that received the most votes, um, and these are very likely to be the final implemented projects. There could be one slight addition. There could be subtle things like that that shift as the delegates kind of look through what to do with any remaining technicalities, and that's all I wanted to address there. Um, Ash, I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Um, just on the selection panel and the criteria that was used to prioritize um, folks who are less civically engaged, I mean, really the intent there was uh, to give folks an opportunity um, because one of the values of the process was really looking at how to deepen civic engagement, particularly, particularly amongst uh, folks who have not been traditionally engaged. And so really that that's the intent behind that. And that was um, criteria established by the ad hoc. Member Gorris. Thank you, Madam Chair. So do we know what happened to Mr. Davis's application to be um, a delegate since no one was turned away? And this is a citizen that consistently comes to our meetings and, and comments. So I'd be interested to know if no one was turned away, what happened to his application? Thank you. Yeah, unfortunately, we just don't know. Um, we, kn I mean, there was a digital application and then a paper application. And I did go to one of the events that I believe Mr. Davis was at, at the Roberts Family Development Center. Um, I know we were handing out a lot of paper um, so our best guess is, you know, the, the paper ended up in the wrong stack and uh, it just wasn't accounted for. Um, so we did apologize and, you know, we really regret uh, missing that application, but we just, we don't, we don't actually know what happened to it. So is it safe to say, not to put you on the spot, Ash, if Mr. Davis was to apply, he can get on and be a delegate? I this point, the process is mostly concluded, um, so I, I don't think it's possible at this point. I mean, I just think that since he is an engaged member, you did meet him. I think we owe, we owe him the opportunity to at least give him the opportunity since he did everything in his part, showing up to the meeting and stuff. So if we're really going to open this up and really want community input, I think we really need to look at that. Thank you.
Yeah, I I remember Kibble. Um, yeah, I just wanted to just uh, make a little response about this uh, uh, this reference to the PBID um, and this being a pilot. There is no connection. There there is no connection to the PBIDs and this. It's a pilot because the city of Sacramento has never in its history engaged in the process of participatory budgeting. This is why it is a pilot. We are testing it to see, is this something that the city wants to continue to do moving forward? And it is great that we do have an evaluator uh, that will be helping us to uh, examine the shortcomings, you know, the, whether it's uh, things that got lost like applications or, you know, inequitable uh, voting between the two areas or whatever the issue might be. It's great that we will have an external evaluator to help us analyze the process and make recommendations for the future. Thank you for that, Member Kibble. Yeah, Mr. Davis, I know I've, I've heard you talk about this PBIDs and, the, and this isn't a pilot several times. And so I just wanted to make sure that that um, part was also really clear for you that um, PBIDs are completely, the, the business districts and what's going on there is completely separate from this. Um, and they, they also don't have any control over the city's budget. And so for this particular project, $1 million was allocated to be able to be subject to this particular process um, where community members could propose projects, where community members in those communities could vote on those projects, and then they would be funded. Um, and that is entirely separate from anything happening with um, PBIDs across the city. So just wanted to make sure that's super clear for anybody else who may be listening, who also uh, might be a little bit confused, because I know there's a lot going on in the city and a lot of money flowing in a lot of different directions. So thank you, Member Kibble, for, for clarifying that. Um, also to Mr. Davis, like, you know, again, want to apologize on behalf of the Measure U Committee. We are incredibly sorry that you're application um, somehow was misplaced, overlooked, um, you know, accidentally discarded. I, I'm going to go with, you know, charge it to, you know, the, the coincidence and not um, any any um, intention, um, but certainly recognizing that impact is, uh, is sometimes greater than intention. And so we recognize that some harm and some mistrust may um, have arisen from that. And so again, very, very sorry about that. I'm really wanting to, you are um, a really a engaged community member. Um, and so as we learn from this process, we hope that we will be funded again to be able to do this um, in a similar fashion in the future and would strongly encourage you to, um, to apply to be a part of uh, the delegate and um, you know, committee and to, to be a part of the process um, and to please stay engaged. We don't want, um, we don't want to, uh, Mr. Boyd's, you know, comment, the folks who are already engaged to feel like they don't have a place either. But um, as, as Ash mentioned, the purpose of this pilot really is to try to engage new folks as well. Um, and, you know, as a lifetime Girl Scout, um, I, I have to say, you know, we have a saying in Girl Scouts, which is make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. Um, and so I think that's part of what this process is intended to do, which is not to displace the people who have already been engaged, but also to help to make space for new voices. Um, and I'm hoping that we will continue to do that, especially with your um, great guidance and input as we move forward. So thank you again to both of you for being so active and engaged and you know having as good if not better attendance than many of our members. So we really appreciate you for, for being with us um, and for being a part of um, of the Measure U Committee as, as public commenters. 
and parts of our delegates as well. Um, there is not a an item um, that needs to be voted on for uh, for item five as well. So we can move on seeing no other hands um, to uh, our next item, which is um, we have already kind of covered, I think, the participatory budgeting implementation ad hoc committee, um, looking at the screen to see if there's anything that needed to be added, but I think we've covered that. So um, if not, we can move on to spending oversight and budget development. Um, we don't actually have an update because our uh, presentation for uh, the beginning of November to the budget and audit committee was postponed. They had a, um, a city council meeting that actually extended uh, into our meeting time. And so we will be giving that presentation on December 6th. Um, so we will be able to provide some updates on um, the presentation after it is given, but uh, we will be sharing our um, annual report with them and uh, the review of sort of where we were based on the, the spending um, recommendations we made and um, and how overall the spending for uh, fiscal year 20 to 21 um, went. And so um, if there are any other members of the ad hoc that had anything else to add, feel free to let me know. Not seeing any, if not, then we can go ahead and move on to the marketing and communications ad hoc. Um, is there any, I know we've already had an item earlier tonight. Is there any other update? I see member Sala off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, no. Most of our update was what we discussed earlier, but again, I, I, I did notice, I just want to point out that I noticed in a couple of departments using the logo that was developed on, you know, paid for by Measure U. So that was great to see that. So. Love to see it. And thank you to this committee. Mm -hmm. um, really appreciate it. Uh, and so um, the next item is the Measure U Community Advisory Committee members report on the investment committee. I don't believe there was a meeting um, this month. I didn't attend the meeting. Okay, so we don't have any updates there. Um, so then the next item is the city manager's office report to the Measure U Community Advisory Committee. Anyone from the city manager's office have anything to share with us? Hi, Madam Chair. How are you? Mike Hi. Johnson. Oh, did we lose you? No, no. Oh, I there you are. Okay. There you are. Okay. I think I'm still there. I'm adjusting to um, an empty room that I'm in. I have my apologies. No um, So, um, so a couple of quick updates. If you can hold for one quick second, I was actually pulling up. Um, my notes um, on some of the things that are going on, just currently going on, um, that uh, might be of interest. So, um, some of you may be familiar that uh, we currently have a youth serving organizational resiliency fund. The Office of Youth uh, Development has an RFA open for youth serving organizations um, currently out. The program will provide technical assistance and funding to build the capacity and resiliency of youth serving CBOs. Applications are due on December the 19th. One of my uh, purposes in telling the committee is hopefully you can use your network to help get the world, uh, word out. Um, um, another similar to that is a California Sprawl Youth Job Corps. We have an open NOFA, Notice of Funding Availability for Climate-Related CBOs and governmental entities to train and employ 
intern at the age of 16 to 30 in climate-related fields. Applications are due on December the 14th. NOFA, um, as well as the interest form for young people can be found at the City of Sacramento's um, website, uh, cityofsacramento.org, economic development slash workforce development. You may be seeing again, we are launching once again, the shop 916 program, uh, as we had previously, the gift card bonus program um, uh, it, it, um, currently has 100 local small businesses involved. We're always seeking to up that number and have worked with various PBIDs and others to get them involved. Since the launch of the program, the gift cards have infused over $200,000 into the local economy. Um, we pay the bonus uh, through our ARPA funding onto the gift cards. And finally, um, uh, the City of Sacramento's Neighborhood Development Action Team, NDAP, which is pre uh, presented before the committee before, is recu recruiting community ambassadors to build and maintain relationships with community partners and residents who represent culturally and linguistically diverse populations and historically underrepresented communities. So this is something that we have ongoing. This is, uh, uh, I think uh, earlier I had uh, heard Lynette Hall mention, she is our community outreach manager. So these are just some of the uh, activities currently going on beyond the usual course of business for the city that I thought uh, might be of interest to the committee. Thank you. Um, Mr. Yasa, will those be available to us um, as like a follow-up email so we can have those yes, links? Yes, we'll, we'll follow discussion? up and I'll we'll okay. make sure that it's first rash. Perfect. Um, is there any input that you, any of those things need from the Measure U committee just in terms of like, it's been a while since we have, have you know, done that since pre-pandemic, but um, there were, you know, projects that were coming through and things like that, and we haven't ha had as many opportunities to be able to weigh in on and some of the in-progress things that the city has going, especially related to economic development. So I'm just curious if there will be additional opportunities moving forward. I think, I think there will be, and there'll be more uh, opportunities forthcoming, and especially as we see some of the results for some of these NOFAs uh, in terms of responses back. Be happy to update the committee on them. That would be great. Maybe it would be possible at the January meeting to just kind of talk us through like what's coming in the pipeline. I think we haven't really had a economic development presentation in a, in a while. And so it might be helpful to know what's going on and be able to get maybe some committee members um, thoughts on how we might be helpful for some of those sure. things. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Um, and and let's, uh, uh, I would only implore a little bit of flexibility between January and February only because uh, with new council coming on board, um, obviously they're gonna have a strong interest in this as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we don't actually have a February meeting. So um, if we, so I guess maybe March then? Sure, so we'll endeavor for January, but if not March. Okay. Um, Thank you. Uh, I see Member Sala. Thank you. I, I have a question, and maybe I can just talk to you, Michael, offline. Sure. There seems to be the announcement for the capacity building for youth, um, for CBOs providing youth services. There seems to be a misunderstanding of what that's funding. And okay. I tried to clarify it, but I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I understood it enough to to be clear. So. Can I contact you, or who should I contact at? So I will ask. I will ask Lindy Lane, who is our youth policy manager, to reach out to you. Okay, that would be great. All right, thank you. You're welcome.
Any other um, questions for Mr. Yasso? Okay. Um, seeing none, then we will move on to, uh, thank you for that. Really appreciate the, the update from uh, the city manager's office. And so now the next item is committee member comments, ideas, and questions. Um, are there any commissioners who have comments, ideas, or questions? Member Prey. Thank you, Chair Colfer. Um, I, I have a feeling that this will be my last meeting um, with the Measure U Committee. Um, I know we won't meet in December. In January, I'm out of town during our scheduled meeting and we're not meeting in February. My term is up um, with the, the election of the new city council member for District 1. And um, I, will, I have not asked to be... Um, to be reappointed. So I just want everyone to know how how honored I am to have served with you all. Uh, you're just such a fabulous group of people. It's been a wonderful experience and I thank you all so much for what you're doing. Thank you so much, Member Prey. I wasn't prepared for us to do goodbyes quite yet because I know that there are some folks who are cycling off, but we don't yet have new people. So I was hoping we were gonna be able to have some time to plan this um, for January, but thank you so much for being with us from the beginning, that very first meeting, I believe it was April 30th of 2019, when we had our first meeting in chambers and we're starting this process and asking lots of questions. Um, and I, I like to think about this work that we've been doing as a relay and not a sprint. And so um, I just really wanna thank all of the people who have been part of this first leg of the journey. Um, that is a really important leg to run, but we also always you know, wanna transition that and hand off that baton in the transition area and let runner two take off. So I'm really excited to be able to be on the sidelines with you, Member Frey, cheering folks on and saying, yay, go team go. Um, because at the end of the day, having participated in this, we know we are a part of a team um, and linked permanently um, in our quest to be able to help the city spend its measure you money in the way that we envisioned when it was just uh, a glimmer in, in you know, someone's eye and a ballot measure in someone's heart. So I'm really appreciative of all the work that you did, especially in helping us with the budget and the annual reports every year. I don't know how we will, how the, the team will, um, you know, will be able to do that without you, but I know um, because we've been in transitions before that they will find a way, uh, but you will be sorely missed. And we really, really appreciate all that you've given um, the time, the energy, the the patience, um, and you know the the can do spirit that you've given to this committee. Really appreciate that. Are there other committee member comments, ideas, or questions? Member Gorris. Thank you, Madam Chair. Member Prey, thank you so much for your hard work and your dedication, and thank you for being a guide to me as one of the newer members. So thank you for uh, all your hard work. I really appreciate it, and you will be missed. Any other committee member comments, ideas, or questions? Yes, Mr. Yasso. 
Hi, I would just like to extend my thanks to Member Prey as well for involvement on the investment committee and helping to bridge uh, the work done there with the work done here. Thank you very much. The pleasure was definitely mine. <laughs> Hopefully we will continue to work together in some capacity. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to draw everyone's attention to um, item three on the November 15th uh, city council um, meeting agenda was our um, agenda or our meeting calendar for 2023. Um, and it was um, that was proposed to council. So um, I just wanted everyone to be aware because I know it's helpful to be able to put those dates on your calendars early. Um, and so that was uh, that was shared at that meeting. Again, it's um, item three. So if you have a moment to be able to just um, take take a look at it and put those on your calendar. Um, our first meeting is um, scheduled for uh, Monday, January 23rd in January. So I'm sure there will be some calendar invitations going out. Um, and our second meeting is March 20th. So those are probably the two that you need um, to add to your calendars as soon as possible as you're planning. So again, that's Monday, January 23rd of 2023, and then um, Monday, March 20th of 2023. And the rest of the calendar can be found again in item three from the November 15th agenda. Any other committee member comments, ideas, or questions? I see Member Kibble. Um, yeah, actually, this is also going to be my last meeting as well. So, um, I do have another year, but I've decided that it's uh, my time to step aside and let some some newer folks uh, come on board um, with a lot more energy and enthusiasm. Um, but it's also been great working with you all. And uh, I have fond memories of our time uh, actually in chamber, uh, uh, sitting next to each other, crowded up on that dais, sharing the microphone. And I think we got a lot, a lot of stuff done. So I feel really great about uh, working with you all and uh, appreciate the uh, responsiveness uh, of uh, the city as we kind of moved into the PB work. And uh, Ash, just really uh, tremendously uh, grateful to you and all that you've done to help us get through this. Boy, it's been a ton of work. And of course, working with all the folks on the ad hoc committee and other ad hocs, and um, it's just been a really great experience. So uh, thank you all so much. And uh, you got a great group coming up behind. So, uh, you know, good luck and Godspeed to everyone. And thank you, Member Kibble. We really appreciate, especially the hard work that you put in on the participatory budgeting. Um, but also all of the ways that you contributed to our recommendations and looking over budgets and asking really difficult questions and diving into the processes of how we're able to do things and what we're able to do um, and composing a letter that kind of got us, uh, it, you know, involved with the city auditors um, question because we were trying to figure out, could we have some survey, um, you know, could we do our own survey and, and you know, um, and ask the community what they want, how they wanted to spend these dollars. So um, just recognizing that a lot of what we see that, you know, is that even the early stages of working now started again as just ideas that we were kind of proposing and trying to figure out how best to do it. So I appreciate, you know, 
um, you being part of our initial, you know, let's try to figure out how to make this work and let's figure out how to air our frustrations as well and uh, <laughs> and get something something workable for it. So I'm just really grateful for your time here um, and really wishing you well. Um, I, I'm hoping that this is um, not the last time that you're involved in something related to Measure U and certainly related to the city and that we'll continue to hear your voice and uh, benefit from your wonderful ideas. So uh, again, thank you for all of the the time and energy that you've invested through a global pandemic, both of you. Um, you know that 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 says a lot um, about you know the importance this work plays in, for you and um, in your commitment to it. So thank you. Well, and and also just want to say thank you. You have been a tremendous leader to all of us uh, in the council chambers through the pandemic pushing the city to reconvene our meetings during the pandemic. That would not have happened had it not been for you. Uh, a couple of showdowns in the council chambers with uh, <laughs> some leadership, Michelle Rebain, not named. Um, you know, really tremendous leadership. Learned so much from you and so grateful to you for your, uh, your leadership and your wisdom and your ability to... Uh, work through all of the challenges uh, very, uh, you know, diplomatically and uh, also with uh, moving us forward. So thank you, because we would not be where we are had it not been for your leadership. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Member Sala. Um, well, I just want to say to Member Crayon, Member Kivel, um, as in when I first joined Measure U, it was during the pandemic, and I didn't have the opportunity to meet all of you in person. But and I felt completely lost. And I want to thank both of you for um, Member Prey understanding the very complex um, budget process. And I'm just barely starting to kind of understand it. And, and a lot of it goes to, to you. And then you, um, Member Kivel, your um, guidance and community engagement and the direction and really setting forth and giving me a, a really understanding of what was the intent behind the measure and what our obligation is as a committee was very helpful. And, kept me focused and I you're both going to be um, missed and the rest of you are stepping down it's very scary for me because you're all the veterans you you like you have said you you've guided this um, committee to where it is right now and then you're stepping down and you're veterans and I I still feel like I I'm still learning and um, so very, very missed for all of you who started from the beginning are not going to be with us any longer. For those of us that are here, for me and personally, it's um, it's a little scary. So I will be um, reaching out to you after and, and, and getting feedback and guidance. So thank you. Member Dickinson. Wow. Wow. As um, I didn't expect all this to happen tonight um, at all. Um, but 
I have to say, as you know, two of the first women standing on this committee, uh, or three of them with Chair Kofor, four of them with um, uh, Vice Chair Williams. Um, this was a remarkable group of people. Um, you know, I think we've all been around our various blocks and thought we knew who was who and what was what. Um, but the opportunity to meet so many amazing, wise, talented, smart people um, and to, to get this off the ground, as we said so many, so many times, flying the, flying the plane while we were building it, um, you guys, you will be missed. You, uh, your, your fingerprints are all over the, the good things that we've been able to accomplish, um, as one of the last, <laughs> last of the original groups, I think, uh, think maybe member Creswell um I'm as I'm as I'm as scared as uh, <laughs> as member Sala because because we're we're gonna miss that institutional memory and um and as I said that wisdom um and it has been just a um amazing opportunity um to be on this this adventure with with y'all, um, and I'm I'm grateful that we were in, on this journey together. I'm grateful that we're part of the same community. I'm grateful um, that that you'll be around in some capacity, doing good things. And thank you all so so much for making this a um, a meaningful and I think substantive experience. Member Odo Kent. Um, well, I just I want to echo what everything that's been said before. You know, when I first joined the committee, folks would say, "Well, like, what's the committee like, and who else is on it?" And my response is just uh, like just an incredibly uh, smart, wise, um, experienced uh, collection of people that. Um, are just uh, really committed to community service and to um, equity and to making our city a better place for everyone. And um, so, uh, Member Prey, you know, thank you. I, I've, I think, uh, Member Kibble, you said it right. Like, I have learned so much from all of you, um, from, from really every single member that we kind of started this journey with. Um, and uh, Member Kivel was she and I, uh, we served on the PB ad hoc committees from the beginning. And I, I just loved how I could always rely on you, Member Kivel, to ask, like, why not? Like, you know, we'd say, oh, mm -hmm. well, we really can't do that. And she'd say, well, why not? And suddenly um, there would be an action or there would be a quick communication and things would start moving and things would happen. So um, really, I just, just want to add my gratitude and thank you. And I will continue to reflect on what I've learned from uh, Member Prey, Member Kibble, really all, everyone I've started this journey with, um, you know, as we kind of move forward in our, in my personal journey. So thank you. Member Gorev. 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Also to Member Kibble, you're going to be so missed. Um, changing up gears real quick. It's not a Measure U item, but it's a quick comment that I think that's important. I'm standing at Sacramento uh, International Airport picking up relatives for Thanksgiving, and Sacramento won Best America's Airport, I think, with the Wall Street Journal. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, Member Gores. Really appreciate that. Um, I did not know that, so thank you. Um, I see an empty speaker's queue, so I think we can proceed to um, public comment for matters not on the agenda, and I see we have two hands, so Chair. I'll pass this one to the clerk. Thank you. Chair, the first speaker I have is Mr. Davis. Yes, this is uh, Lambert Davis to close this thing out. You know, when I first of all, I want to send a shout out to the uh, member of the committee who who came on, I, and I don't think we've ever encountered each other. And he asked a question to Ash since his application, which I submitted four of them, was never received or accepted, whatever the terminology is, but I'd be a delegate. I appreciate that because it took a lot of courage for you to say that. You could have sat back and waited for me to say it because I was going to say it now. So I appreciate that because uh, I intentionally, and I'm very busy. I run, We run our own cheesecake business. We're very popular inside City Hall. There's some people that are speaking tonight that have bought cheesecakes from us throughout the years. And I, I wanted to say that that took tremendous courage to say that. And when people try to explain what a P-bid is to a native, you're kind of wasting your time. Because, see, I have a following here in Sacramento, and it's the millennials. Shout out to the millennials. I'm a baby boomer. And for some reason, they've rallied around me. You know, they for some reason, they've rallied around me. They know I know what I'm doing with cheesecake, but I don't understand everything else, but I'm learning quickly. See, I come from a background where when you study, you don't study too long, because if you study too long, you're studying wrong. And I've learned you, City Hall, and that PBID should be studied according to the millennials, because the PBID's board of directors... If you studied who the board of directors were on P-Bids, you, you would understand me when I say what a pilot, you know, it's a concept. I learned a lot what I know before the Internet. So when the Internet kicked in, I was ready for that, too. That's what children are for. <laughs> so thank you for, for commenting on that. And uh, to me, it was mission accomplished. You, when you say the least engaged that eliminates people like me because I'm very engaged and I've never used profanity when I should have. I've always kept my cool with City Hall, but we're at a fork in the road because our cheesecakes just went viral. We're still having difficulties getting funding, and we're from an underserved community, Del Paso Heights. So shout out to Del Paso Heights, my parents and grandparents and aunts, who had to endure the institutionalized and systemic racist practices that are implemented in Sacramento City Hall as I speak. So my respect for my parents goes through the roof. 
I just I just can't say how much I love Del Paso Heights and the people who had to deal with redlining and restrictive covenants and things like that. And then they wonder, well, why is Del Paso Heights in the shape it's in? Well, give us some of the money that you give to other people every year, and then you'll see Del Paso Heights improve. So that's what I have to say. Thank you for your comments, Mr. Davis. Chair, the next speaker I have is Mr. Barry Boyd. This is really starting to become monotonous. Uh, folks, call in and ask questions or give your comments. But uh, briefly, I do uh, want to say I do uh, concur with Mr. Davis's last comment in regards to giving some of that, uh, giving equitable, equal, equitable, equitably equal funding to both Del Paso Heights and Council District 8, specifically the Meadowview community that also has been systemically underserved in economic development investment. Uh, to that, let me speed through. Uh, just before I get to my comment on matters not on the agenda, I am concerned by the facilitator for the PBP, PBP um, program to which the language she used was the winners very likely to be the winners. Very likely means there's opportunity for change. There would be absolutely no reason to change. Yes, there's an additional $25,000 that should be distributed to the winning, top winning ballots. As the language that the Southeast proposal delegates, the facilitator themselves and the city of Sacramento had established well in that there will be no partial or underfunding of any proposed idea, just an FYI. Now to the matters not on the agenda, I would like to, um, for those who weren't able to attend last Wednesday, November 16, 2022, the Meadowview Neighborhood Association's virtual meeting um, to go to our website, which is sacramentomna.org, Sacramento M. Mary N. Nancy A. Apple.org, the Sacramento MNA.org website to where you, uh, excuse me, Go to the website and you will find a link to Mark Verbal's presentation in regards to his findings of the methodology for the state of California's housing and development department's regional housing needs allocation, RENA, numbers, and how their numbers have created the mantra for the governor's office down of we need more housing. Once you... Um, watch the presentation, then you decide, do we need more housing or uh, to that? I'll make it easy for you. Mark comes in at the one hour, 11 minutes and 43 second time code. And he goes on until two hours, 45 minutes and 47 second time code. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments, chair. I have no other speakers with their hands raised for matters not on the agenda. Thank you so much um, to both of our public commenters once again for, for raising comments. Um, I, uh, I think if there are additional follow-ups that need to be made, let's do them um, via email. Um, so please let's, let's be in touch to both of you. Um, Vice Chair Williams, to go to you. Okay, um, I think if I see no other 
raised hands, any other cues? Um, we're going to about to conclude the meeting. I will say, I don't think this is my last meeting. I think you all will see me at least once more. <laughs> Yay. You have not gotten rid of me quite yet. <laughs> So, but I will make sure I, I, I communicate that with, with everyone. Um, to those that have expressed that this is their last meeting, um, you know, this this is this has been when I think back to this experience and the and, you know when we think back to the early days, it has been um, it's been a pleasure to be in the in the fight with with you all um, and some of you I didn't know prior to Measure You and now I'm like I can rock with y'all anytime. <laughs> I know how to get down. So that's that's what we need as folks. We can stand together. So I just want to say thank you to all of you um, for all the work that you've done. And it's been a, a pleasure, a, a huge, huge pleasure and honor to be a part of this um, this committee with all of you. And uh, again, so I see no other comments. Um, we're going to end this meeting tonight. Um, I'm hoping all of you have a wonderful turkey day. And if you don't have turkey, whatever it is you do eat. <laughs> And it, uh, or just have a good meal this week. And if you uh, folks have time off, that's great. Enjoy yourselves. And um, I will conclude today's agenda and we can be dismissed. Mm -hmm.